0: All right, we are going to go ahead and get started. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. Welcome to the Global Math Department. My name is Sheila Orr, and I'm going to be your host tonight. Tonight, we're going to hear from Dr. Sears and Carrie Pinder um, about, about attending to equity and mathematics during a pandemic. Um, while we get started and um, I kind of explain how this is going to work, continue to introduce yourself in the chat, telling us what you teach, where you teach, um, and if you have a Twitter handle. Um, So before I introduce our speakers a little bit more, um, I'm gonna explain how these meetings work. So first, the meetings are being recorded and they'll be available within 24 hours after the meeting ends. Um, To view the recording, it's gonna be the exact same link you used to get in here tonight. So if you like hear something and you really wanna share it, you can just email that link to anyone in about 24 hours, it'll become the recording. Um, Also the global math department provides itself on being a friendly and supportive community. The chat room is available for topical and general conversations throughout the meetings. Um, Throughout the presentation tonight, I'm going to keep track of your questions and catch them. So if they don't notice your question right away, don't worry. Um, I'm keeping track of them and I'll make sure all of them get answered at the end. Um, Tonight, we have two wonderful speakers, Dr. Sears and Miss Carrie, Pinder. So if you two want to go ahead and take over.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ruth May Sears and my co-presenter is Miss Carrie Pinder and we are from the University of South Florida. I would also like to publicly um, acknowledge my fa- fa- former colleagues from the Bahamas who are joining us because that's why I started my teaching profession. So those who join us, I say, thank you. Our goal today is to discuss how to attend to equity in mathematics during a pandemic with a critical lens on supporting inclusion, access, fairness, and respect for all. The pandemic provided many challenges and it also catalyzed many possibilities. Hence, as mathematics educators, we have to reimagine what it means to facilitate effective math teaching practices and consider means to ensure students are mathematically proficient and can make adequate progress vertically and horizontally across the curriculum. So to structure our presentation, we will define equity and its dimensions, discuss the impact of COVID-19 on mathematics teaching and learning, consider factors that can impact equitable learning opportunities and identify strategies that can attend to equity in mathematics during the pandemic. Moreover, for our slides, we sought to quote our scholarly peers verbatimly, such that they can be appropriately credited for their work and for readers to deduce their own interpretation and can consider how the information may be applicable within their respective settings.
2: As mathematics educators, we are committed to facilitating equity within our practices. According to the Association of Mathematics Teachers Educators, equity is defined as access to high quality learning experience, inclusion for all learners and respectful and fair engagement with others. This means actively working towards a more just and equitable mathematics education free of systematic forms of inequality based on race, class, language, culture, gender, age, sexual orientation, religion, and disability. Hence, regardless of a child's circumstance, our goal is to provide them opportunities to engage in doing rigorous mathematics. The National Council of Teachers of Mathematics provided a position statement on what is equity they highlighted that a culture of access and equity requires being responsive to the students backgrounds, experiences cultural perspectives traditions and knowledge when designing and implementing a mathematics program and assessing effectiveness addressing equity and access also include ensuring all students attain proficiency in mathematics considering the pandemic disrupted brick and mortar classroom settings and increase remote instruction and amplify the digital divide, mathematics educators' commitment to attending to equity within their practice is vital to promoting student success. Moreover, considering that communities with people of color were more likely to have individuals deemed essential workers and were also more likely to know someone who died from COVID-19, careful consideration ought to be given to meet the diverse needs of our students.
1: Admittedly, there are different perspectives relative to what is the dimension of equity. For instance, like Andrea Scheidler's presentation for the International Summit on the Teaching Profession, which was published by the Organization of American Cooperation and Development, OECD, highlighted that equity has two dimensions, namely fairness and inclusion. Fairness implies the personal socioeconomic circumstances of the individual or their background will not be an obstacle for them to achieve success. Whereas inclusion considers the basic minimum level is actually being met. Hence, during this crisis, educators had to carefully reflect on how to meet the needs of all students, regardless of their circumstances. Now, particularly for the field of mathematics, Rochelle Gutierrez provided dimensions of equity relative to access, achievement, power, and identity. Gutierrez asserted that students should be given access to mathematics such that they can have the opportunity to participate in mathematics. Achievement is their ability to actually succeed on standardized tests and participate in math pipelines that can adequately prepare students to pursue a college degree in mathematics or attain a math-focused career. Since COVID-19 have disrupted standardized assessment measures, consideration ought to be given to benchmark indicators as to what extent students exhibited competencies at grade level and how to support them making vertical progressions across grade level in the subsequent academic year. The identity components considers how the students see themselves. Do they see themselves as mathematicians? If not, why not?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hence, positive affirmation needs to be conveyed to students to develop their mathematical identities and the belief that they can still be great in mathematics despite challenges faced. The fourth dimension, the power dimension, it focuses on how mathematics can be used to facilitate social transformation. For example, students can employ the standards for mathematical practices to discuss social issues and consider means to resolve them. Hence, by attending to the various dimensions of equity, mathematics teachers can support success in and outside of the classroom setting. Now, As we think about equity, we cannot neglect the implications of digital equity. Due to COVID-19, many schools utilized emergency remote instruction, which placed a need to attend to digital equity. Digital equity is more than simply focusing on the haves and the have-nots. Rather, according to Pusionair, digital equity is a social justice goal of ensuring everyone in our society has equal access to technology. And so a simple definition for can be a state in which both the digital divide and participation gaps are bridged. Therefore, considering that we are now working in various learning management systems to support students' learning of mathematics, we have to consider the digital divide that exists. Every child may not have access to a personal computer within their homes. While in other instances, some students only have access to the internet solely via the mobile devices. Hence, consideration ought to be given to the extent students have access to the internet, the mathematical applications utilized and the digital literary skills we seek for students to exhibit despite potential hardships that may exist. So COVID-19 truly impacted mathematics teaching and learning. It posed challenges, but it was also a catalyst for new possibilities. Particularly, it disrupted face-to-face modes of instructional delivery, and it increased the demand for synchronous and asynchronous instruction and also the need to share packets of instructional materials in the mail to support students who may not have had access to technology. It also amplified the digital divide. The amount of time allocated to complete assignments online and the engagement level of students vary significantly. Hence, mm-hmm. being cognizant of the constraints that may exist, careful planning is needed to ensure all students have access to quality mathematics. Furthermore, the new normal for mathematics instruction facilitated opportunities to enhance and transform mathematics curriculum. If students have access to technology, the nature of the questions posed can increase opportunities for students to exhibit some degree of cognitive rigor. COVID-19 also provided more opportunities to make explicit real-world connections in mathematics that capitalizes on students' cultural knowledge. Since many families adhere to stay-at-home recommendations, teachers can capitalize on posing rich mathematical tasks that are present
2: in students'
1: home lives.
2: So the images presented highlight the shift of mathematical instruction from standing in front of a blackboard to teaching via a virtual environment. The shift in the nature of instructional delivery has implications on reimagining how to attend to the NCTM effective teaching practices. How would you notice students thinking and engagement in synchronous or asynchronous settings and how to ensure students are adequately prepared to progress to the next grade level during the next academic year. Hence, consideration ought to be given as to what constitutes as evidence of students' learning. Moreover, COVID-19 amplified the digital divide at three levels, namely the infrastructure level that focuses on hardware, software, and internet access the classroom level that attends to how technology is used by teachers and the individual student level that considered the extent students are empowered to engage with mathematics. At the first level, there's a need to gain insight as to the extent students can access the internet from their homes to do mathematics, be it via computer, a phone, a tablet or multiple devices. This can have implications on students' responsiveness to participate in instructional activities. We also need to consider how technology is being used. Is it being used to facilitate rote learning? Or is it being used to encourage students to engage in problem-based and open-ended activities? There are many programs out there that provide students an opportunity to practice mathematical tasks, as well as arrive at the correct mathematical solution. In fact, some computer algebra systems provide students step-by-step guidance as to how to arrive at the correct solution. Hence, the nature of the task force should seek to attend to the five strands of mathematical proficiency and facilitate a degree of cognitive rigor. Researchers have noted that mathematics is a discipline that privileges some students. Therefore, we can consider how to utilize technology to empower all students in mathematics. We can pose model as learning activities or problem-based learning tasks that can encourage students to use mathematics to solve real-world problems and develop their mathematical identities. So despite the challenges of
1: COVID-19, it actually created a global opportunity to integrate technology into mathematics teaching and learning effectively. If used appropriately, technology can be used to transform and enhance mathematics. According to Ruben Pandura, technology can be used to redefine, modify, augment, or substitute the nature of instruction and students' learning. Hence, we can consider posing rich tasks that reflect higher levels of mathematical cognitive demands and increase opportunities for students to explore, reflect and demonstrate critical thinking skills. Since many places have issued stay-at-home mandates, this is a perfect time to capitalize on students' cultural knowledge and exhibit culturally responsive mathematics teaching, especially if you're working with culturally and linguistically diverse learners. According to Abdurrahim and Orozco, CRMT promotes positive cultural identities. It maintains high academic expectations for students and it empowers students. This framework is a fusion of various mathematical literature relative to facilitating higher levels of cognitive mind, demonstrating the mathematical knowledge needed for teaching, orchestrating rich mathematical discourse, attending to the dimension of equity, focusing on identity and power, being sensitive to the needs of English language learners and capitalizing on cultural funds of knowledge. For instance, at this time, mathematical tasks can be connected to cooking or baking or gardening or analyzing trends in the data being reported on the media or using Google Translate that can share the task in the student's native language so their parents can actually follow along. Thus, efforts ought to be made to capitalize on students' culture and their backgrounds. Additionally, greater efforts ought to be placed on how teachers translate among various forms of representation, be it verbal, graphical, symbolic, or table formats. With technology, we have to also be aware of how we use various coding language in our communication of mathematics. For example, The carrot is now being used to represent exponential or using latex to communicate relations, operations and symbols. So the coding language may be different from how students communicate when coding in Minecraft. Hence, even how we communicate the mathematics may have cultural implications.
2: Admittedly, there are factors that can impact equitable opportunities. Namely, the nature of technology integration in mathematics, the barriers that affect the successful integration, and resources that are available to the community. Factors affecting how technology is integrated may be teacher-based, student-based, content method source, time management-based, or technical in nature. The teacher factor consider the teacher's attitudes and ability to use technology effectively, while the student factors may consider students' knowledge and use of the tool and their motivation to learn mathematics. Additionally, factors relative to assessment, how much time to be allocated for instruction, and curriculum consideration may impact how teachers use technology during the pandemic. For instance, some districts may suggest that in lower primary mathematics classes, students should engage in mathematics for at most 50 minutes a day online, whereas in the high school mathematics classes, they may recommend 40 minutes. Hence, even the amount of time students work on mathematics remotely can potentially have implications in students' readiness to progress vertically and horizontally in the curriculum. Consideration also ought to be given to technological constraints and the growing pains of learning a new software language. Additionally, the technical support offered may not always be timely, which may further impact everyone's willingness to explore new possibilities. Nevertheless,
1: we are teachers and teachers are wonderful at breaking barriers and at jumping across hurdles to ensure all students succeed. Barriers faced with teaching mathematics remotely includes lack of computers, limited professional development training, limited technical support, and time constraints. To address some of these barriers, teachers may solicit grants to purchase supplies, they may join online professional learning communities to learn new content, and they may consider creative ways to disseminate information. So Carolyn Thompson suggested that there are resources, process, and community cultural variables that may contribute to the enacted curriculum. Therefore, careful planning is needed to ensure that these variables are adequately attended to to support all students' learning of mathematics during this pandemic. So to be culturally responsive, we may need to consider posing tasks for students to engage with mathematics with or without technology. We should intentionally seek to exhibit culturally responsive mathematics teaching. For example, there are many mathematical questions that can be deduced from the various pictures of strawberries in Florida. As an example, example, students may be asked to solve problems multiple ways relative to picking strawberries considering the growth models of strawberries or exploring financial literacy questions relative to supply and demand. Thus having students generate questions and subsequently solving them relative can actually produce opportunities for them to exhibit the standards for mathematical practice. Another task may look at exploring coins. So this is another sample activity that provides students an opportunity to engage with mathematics while at home. So Camus jewelry design shared a photo on social media on May 5th as how they use coins to tile a room. This image can be a springboard to pose rich mathematical questions and also extend learning outcomes. For instance, students may be asked to estimate how much coins can be used to tile the room to what extent would it change if it were nickels, pennies or quarters were used. They can also create frequency tables for the years of the coin and engage in identifying equivalent relationship between X number of coin and Y number of dollars. The students can also explore simple interests and consider how much interest could be accrued on their savings over a period of time. As an extension to the learning, they may also explore science principles as to why pennies corrode or gain an appreciation for the history and read of where pennies. Hence tasks of this nature create an opportunity for students to engage with mathematics. Another task can be used to facilitate interdisciplinary STEM learning opportunities. For example, students may be given a task to design paper planes and consider means to maximize the distance travel and make revisions to their model to improve the quality, this task helps students explore thrust, gravity, drive, lift, and it can be linked to geometry and probability and statistics standards. Thus, this task is a practical example of, and because it reinforces situated learning. Nevertheless, if you do choose to use technology, you have to carefully plan. If you use technology in your lesson, Cam suggested that there are things you ought to consider before, during, and after your lesson, particularly before the lesson, learn the tool. For instance, how do you use teacher's version of TI Navigator to illustrate how to enter multiple equation and subsequently graph them, or how to open multiple windows? If you're going to use ready-made activities be sure to consider what can potentially go wrong, students' misconception, and means to address them. During the lesson, be explicit as to what is expected and be adaptable in how you support learning. Additionally, consider formal and informal checkpoints. Hence, you may ask your students to take screenshots or share their screen to demonstrate certain proficiencies. Or you may embed an online quiz using Google Forms. Alternatively, in decimal, you may have guiding questions that students must answer in order to progress in the given exercise. Therefore, be sure to consider means to maximize how technology is used and always be prepared to troubleshoot and address the problem that may arise. At the end of the lesson, reflect on evidence on students' learning and consider means to further move the learning forward. We can also consider utilizing publishable resources for students to engage with, to explore STEM concepts. For example, Texas Instrument and VEX Robotics have great resources that can stimulate students' learning and inquiry. The students can engage in programming to achieve various goals, be it maximizing speed or creating a particular design. There are also online coding software like Scratch that was made by MIT that can help to develop students' coding skills. Hence, during this time, you can pose many tasks that provide students an opportunity to engage in problem solving and make connections
2: to other disciplines while also having fun. Portfolios can also be utilized to help students review mathematical content and consider how mathematics is applied. For instance, if a student did a portfolio on calculus, they will be able to consider the historical development and the contributions made by famous mathematicians such as Isaac Newton or Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz. They will also grasp a greater insight into the fundamental principle of calculus and consider the application of various theorems within a real-world setting. Thus, a portfolio can provide an opportunity for students to engage in meaningful mathematics, especially if they're at home and learning at their own pace.
1: Additionally, capitalize on all this data, students can be empowered to to model the mathematics around them. So for instance, students may be asked to display data via graphs or reflect on the connection between an exponential function and epidemic. They may also be asked to examine disparities that exist relative to trends in the data. Mathematical discourse of this nature is purposeful and meaningful. It is no longer restricted to an abstract construct, rather it amplifies how mathematics can be used to model their everyday lives. So the use of technology can also increase opportunities to pose higher level cognitive demand tasks. Considering many computer algebra system like Wolfram Alpha can perform many tasks that reflects procedures without connection, use this time to pose tasks that require some level of cognitive rigor. For example, rather than simply asking the students to factorize x squared minus one, or x cubed minus one, Kira suggested having students make conjecture about factorization of x to the n minus one, or proving that x plus one is always a factor of x to the n minus one, For even values of n. Hence, this question allows the students to engage in critical thinking and can be used to transform the nature of mathematics. Another activity can be used mathematics escape rooms. Students can be encouraged to create mathematical games and activities in which they apply their knowledge of mathematics. For instance, The students can be asked to create a mathematics escape room so they will now have to consider not only how to solve the problem, but what information individuals would actually need to advance to the next level. So they'll be demonstrating problem solving skills and will engage in tasks that reflect procedures with connection or doing mathematics. Thus, the tool is simply a conduit that provides students an opportunity to pl- apply their knowledge of mathematics. Additionally, students can be applied uh, science tasks relative to creating animations to illustrate a geometrical concept. For instance, geometry sketchpads can be used to construct an animations of tessellations of various transformations. The students may also be encouraged to review mathematical animations and blogs by mathematicians such as Michael Davidius in South Africa, where they get an opportunity to bask in the beauties of mathematics. In using animations, students can be asked to make conjectures as to why something worked and subsequently test those conjectures. Additionally, during the pandemic, We can use asynchronous, synchronous, or independent learning opportunities very skillfully and strategically for students to engage in mathematics and exhibit cognitive rigor. Students may also be asked to translate proofs without words to proof with words, thereby enhancing their ability to communicate mathematics effectively and to consider the implication of visualization in mathematics. Hence, if we are to compact digital literacy in mathematics, we need to reframe adult thinking, engage families, connect to students' outside interest, and require opportunities for all. Thereby, we must skillfully seek to implement culturally responsive mathematics teaching effectively. Reach noted If students aren't encouraged to engage with a challenging curriculum, it doesn't matter whether they learn from the curriculum on paper or on a computer. Thus COVID-19 provided an opportunity to integrate technology into mathematics, teaching and learning. Nevertheless, how it is integrated can help or hinder the extent equitable learning opportunities will ultimately be achieved.
2: So as you seek to provide an excellent learning experience for students during this pandemic, you should focus on ways to engage your learners. Hence, here are some strategies that you can use to do so online or face-to-face. As you teach your lessons, seek to ensure that your body language, word choices, and gestures show students that their questions, comments, or concerns are heard, valued, and considered you should be vigilant and responsive to their discussion posts, chat comments, and class contributions, truly showing them that their voice matters and their contributions are not in vain. These very small acts can have a significant impact on students because for many of them, this could be the only space where their voice is heard. In that same breath, we should also be aware of how our mathematics identities come into play and how our words impact students mathematics identities and thus seek to create opportunities to uplift our students through positive self-talk for instance if a student answers a question wrong instead of just saying sorry ted that's incorrect to counteract those feelings of embarrassment or defeat you can begin by saying i'm proud of you for trying that that took courage how did you get to that answer Now you've turned a negative into a positive because yes, Ted knows his answer was not right. But instead of focusing on that, he feels brave for trying and is now talking through his mathematical thought process. So take advantage of opportunities to model positive self-talk. You know, tell your students you can do this. You can think outside the box. You can create. You can innovate. Math resides in you. You can do anything. You are strong. You are brave. You are trying. You are very close. Another way to engage students is to actually ask all students higher order questions, not just our gifted students or the same five students in your class of 30, but really push them all because it shows that you expect great things from your students, that you believe in their abilities and that you support their growth. Also, familiarize yourself with your students and situate your task in real-life context to make learning more meaningful. Utilize technological tools that support collaboration through breakout rooms, online groups, or Google Share tasks. Provide clear expectations of participation and grading rubrics, and allow students to revise and resubmit work with detailed, quality feedback on how to do so. During this pandemic, it is important that we use assessment purposely to move learning forward. You can do so by following these five strategies throughout the process. Ensure that you are familiar with your students' interests, backgrounds, and culture, and seek to develop tasks that can connect with that they can connect with and find meaningful to their everyday lives. Next, be flexible with the types of formative assessments you propose. Give students options like creating a video, a poem, a song. Really take advantage of the opportunities to allow them to take ownership and autonomy of their learning while pushing them to be creative in the process. Next, be fair with your assessments. Make it clear what is expected through rubrics that are simple but detailed, showing students the criteria that you are looking for in order to successfully complete the task. Provide clear, quality, detailed feedback. The score is not enough. Leave a comment or note highlighting the strength of their work and suggestions for improvement. Last, but certainly not least, be forgiving. Or in simpler terms, be human. Don't just give that F. Reach out to your students. Hear their needs, concerns, or challenges and be accommodating. Remember that we're not the only ones under pressure and stress. So as you seek to be forgiving, reflect on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and consider what your students may be going through at this time. So be understanding, empathetic and forgiving while having high expectations because a good teacher cares about what a child, cares about a child's education while a great teacher cares about the whole child. And honestly, students really don't care about how much we know until they know how much we care. Hence, as you engage, remember that there are financial constraints. So really seek to utilize tasks that would not require additional funds being spent and tasks that can highlight students' strengths and develop their mathematical identities. Also, seek to ensure that your spaces are places where students feel cared for, supported, safe, respected, and loved. Because our goal is to promote equity regardless of having access to technology or limited access but ensuring that all students have rich mathematical experiences that provide them an opportunity to truly learn mathematics. As you rely on technology, be intentional about how you've utilized it to enhance and transform learning. Allow students to verify the accuracy of calculations with tools like Wolfram Alpha, or focus your lessons on the modeling and visualization of mathematical content with free tools like Desmos, Geometry, Sketchpad, or Geogebra. You can always use those tools to test and falsify conjectures. Let's truly try to make the best of this experience by taking advantage of the benefits of technology by allowing students to be creative and work together to complete tasks. You can still have tons of group activities by using different collaborative softwares like breakout rooms or Google Docs where students can connect with each other and work on tasks in real time. Additionally, share fun, free online math games that allow students to practice math. Assign easy to read math websites like Math is Fun. Have students watch my videos from YouTube or Khan Academy because for some reason they don't know that you can learn math on YouTube in addition to your virtual lessons. The more ways to present the mathematical content, the more opportunities students truly have to understand that content in a way that meets their learning needs. Last, we can use technology to shift from focusing on real computational understanding to really developing students' conceptual understanding. Admittedly,
1: there are wonderful resources online that can be used to help to attend to equity during this pandemic. Some may require membership to gain exclusive access while others are free. For instance, Although NTTM on World From Alpha offers free mathematical resources, to maximize the use of the features and resources offered, individuals are encouraged to subscribe to those entities. While Geometry Sketchpad is a commercially interactive geometry software program that can help students explore geometry, algebra, and cal- calculus content. There are also websites that offer completely free resources, for instance, Desmos. It's an advanced graphing calculator that helps students to visualize mathematics. Many teachers share ready-made resources that can be used to teach mathematical content with Desmos. Additionally, websites such as InsideMathematics.org, OpenMiddle, and YouTube provides rich mathematical tasks that can be used by teachers and coaches to facilitate students' engagement with cognitively demanding tasks. Finally, in attending to equity in mathematics during this pandemic, we would like to, for you to reflect on seven guiding questions developed by Stanford Graduate School of Education. We encourage you to be sure to identify learning objectives and consider students' interest in culture and culture in planning engaging experiences. Thus, in your planning, be intentional in your efforts to exhibit culturally responsive mathematics teaching. Additionally, research technologies that can help students achieve the learning objectives and develop critical thinking skills. Reflect on how the technology is utilized will help or hinder equitable learning opportunities and make modifications if necessary to attend to the dimensions of equity. Thus, consider using technology to enhance and transform how technology can be used to engage students learning of mathematical content. Finally, remember, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Hence, always have an alternative plan in the event you experience technical difficulties. Additionally, consider challenges that may arise relative to asynchronous synchronous modes of instruction and plan accordingly. We acknowledge that there are many great scholars in mathematics and mathematics education who've contributed to the field relative to equity, technology, and facilitating culturally responsive mathematics teaching. Hence, we wish to publicly thank them for their contribution and acknowledge some of them in the reference list film. We now open the floor up to questions because your voice do matter.
0: All right um so if you have questions that you haven't asked yet um go ahead and type them in the chat now i will get you started with a couple that came up during this um so one of the first ones was that like they really loved the examples um but a lot of them were like once the students are already engaged in the online or like virtual space so do you have any ideas of how teachers what they should do or consider when um children either aren't in regular contact with the teacher or regularly getting online? Um, and then like, are there adaptations to routines that you would suggest for in situations like that?
1: Oh, absolutely, because context matters. So when we think about the nature of the task, the first thing we have to think about is the level of cognitive demand and also the smar framework relative. Are you substituting, augmenting or transforming, like how are you using the technologies? So in that space, teachers have to be creative. So at this point, if the students already got accustomed to using the technology, what is the question that you're gonna ask? So you may probably oppose a model listing activity or you may engage in problem-based learning. So that way you can actually have face-to-face, facilitate group conversation, but also keep them in a space that is developing the digital literacy and enhancing them being digital natives. So in this space going forward, We're definitely gonna be seeing hybrid of learning relative to technology and teaching of mathematics.
0: Um, And then kind of going with that. So um, some schools are doing uh, more asynchronous learning. And so um, one thing that they're thinking about is how one of the like things that's really hard to do in asynchronous learning is to provide like in the moment guidance or guiding questions. And so do you have any ideas for, especially with asynchronous teaching, how to get over that barrier?
1: Um, so with asynchronous, one thing they can actually do if they're using Canvas or Blackboard, really think about what is the core mathematics that will be critical for the students to engage with this task. So in that space, the teachers may actually create um, supplementary, vid- supplementary videos online or attach you know we call it um learning support modules that can help the student unpack that phenomena so with the asynchronous so as students engage independently if they're struggling there's a structured support that can help them think about how could i use this information so for example if i was to tell you like one divided by 998 factorial plus one divided by 999 factorial plus is equal to x divided by 100 um a thousand factorial so I might just have a note relative to what is a factorial and understanding relationship. So it can it can ignite the connection, but the student is still doing the thinking. So this is where we think about what is the support in place to support that independence learning. Because if if it's not supported well, it can actually be non-productive and it can actually result in students becoming disengaged with mathematics. So we have to be very careful. So asynchronous to me requires more planning than a synchronous mm-hmm. lesson. Much more planning.
0: Yes, and then um, so, do you have any ideas of how formative assessment can support social justice in mathematics? Oh,
1: absolutely! Um, because social justice, you know, because when you read the work, there are so many great scholars that have been engaged with social justice. Um, just. We can definitely, it's like, what are you asking and how are you empowering those students? For example, if I was to think about formative assessment, what am I communicating? Like, how am I actually even affecting their identities? Um, Thinking about the type of questions we're asking and also the type of feedback that we're giving. And so in this space, um, this is where we talk about the dimensions of equity. So I can actually just look at, academic um, achievement and access, but I may take it from the lens of identity and power. So based on this space, for example, my formative assessment, I may say, hey, Carrie, I know you're brilliant, but did you think about this? Because I know you can think this further through. So I'm thinking about how to develop them as math professionals, so I could actually target their identities. Or when you look at the example, for example, um, with the data trends, that can actually use that to explore social justice issues as to how can we support uh, minority groups who are more likely to be exposed to COVID-19 or have family members who die from COVID-19? So in that space, the type of feedback you use can be a catalyst. But once again, it has to be purposeful and very carefully worded. So it goes back to good planning in your actions to promote social justice. Mm
2: -hmm. Carrie, you wanted to say something? You hit it right on the head, especially when you brought up um, using like real real-time data. That's what I thought. You could you could definitely tie in looking at minority groups, the real-world data to touch on um, social justice. But like you said, you really, really, really have to be careful with how you word it because right now it is a very sensitive time.
0: Um, and then kind of along those same lines of formative assessment, um, do you have any like specific examples of what that could look like, especially more in the like elementary school, like grades versus like in the secondary? Um, Okay, I love elementary because
1: I have a very special little lady who's my niece. So I'm always (laughs) thinking about facilitating her learning. Um, In that space, the first thing you ask her, how did you get that answer what was your thinking and even if it's not right i know you can think about it so what if i make this change how would it make a difference and you're very smart because i am an advocate of affirmational theory where you actually speak life to the child rather than just highlight the negative but actually speak positive positive. and then from there from the formative i think if you make this change you could make it even more better and so let's try it let's see what happened and so the kid can try it and once again, let them be the owners of the decision making. So you're giving them the idea, but having them do it, you're keeping them to be the owners of the mathematics. And it's critical that they own the mathematics where they see themselves as the mathematician in that space. So it goes back to the guiding questions, even at the early levels where the child starts to say, so am I wrong that I got it? Like, you know, because they start the question and I got an F, I'm not good, but no, you're great but let's think about it. Let's how we can make this thing better. And it goes back to um, formative where you're questioning, you're highlighting there's something wrong, but you're also encouraging them to make it um, to develop because I know the powers within them. So I told them greatness lies within you. We just gotta unleash the potential. So it's how you use the language.
0: Thank you. And then this one's really like more logistically. Um, and I was gonna answer it, but I actually don't know. For Geometry Sketchpad, does it have to be downloaded and is it platform independent?
1: Yes, it can be. And if you don't, um, okay. like for example, I have Geometry Sketchpad, but I also GeoGebra because GeoGebra is free. So it all depends because some districts may not allow um, open software that actually use Java coding. So Geometry Sketchpad, may actually be on your district um, approved list. And that's why I went with Geometry Sketchpad because some places allow you to use GeoGebra while others may have certain restrictions. So certain apps may not run as smoothly. So you can download it, you can purchase it, but it all goes back to what you have at your access. And also, um, cause I know like certain some certain service lock a lot of sites up. So this goes back to your school and your institutional log- logistics that help you to make that decision to what to use. Oh, someone said, what are those apps? They're great apps for teaching geometry, algebra,
0: and calculus. I think there's one more. Um, So do you have any suggestions for strong assessments that could work is like take, you can't see I'm like air quoting here because they air quoted take home tests. So like, what do you have any suggestions of how you can still like assess your students and like what are some strong ones are, especially like when we're in this like remote teaching way?
1: Oh man, right now, because of the remote instruction, it reflects, we have to really reflect on what are we asking? Because you have apps like Photomath, that could scan that question and give you the response immediately. You have roll from alpha that can show you're working in real time once you paid a 5.99 or 6.99 per month, or you can subscribe yeah. for a year for $57 and they can show you step-by-step step as to how to arrive at the solution. So at this point, if the assessment is taken home, you're gonna really have to think about posing some open-ended questions. And so thinking about, you start off with like, you know, what is the, um, go back to your objectives, your learning goals and your learning outcome measures. That can help you because there are some skills that you may wanna see, for example, factorization. So I may wanna assess their ability to do it, but I may also wanna assess the ability to apply that construct. So I think in those spaces, you're going to have to really be very strategic opposing very clear, open-ended tasks that can help students make the connection, but they just can't simply go to a website, type in the question and get the answer. So this is really changing types of questions we ask because you can use like software where you log down, like Proctoria, where you log down the browser and you monitor their movement, but like I said, change what we're asking because this created a space for us to reconstruct assessment as a whole. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so it goes back to what is our benchmark indicators and how can we actually measure what is learning?
0: Thank you. And then um, I think we have time for a few more. Um, So one thing um, as someone says they miss the most about distance learning is Learner to learner communication, um, and do you have any ideas on equitable ways to address that in a more like digital space?
1: Okay, uh, it goes back to like let's say um, which platform you're using. So if you're using Google Meet, you know they may talk in that space because what was affected relative to this um, pandemic was the socio-emotional development of the child. So this human element. And so, um, for example, I know some schools may use Zoom while others may not because of security breaches. So, or you use Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams allow you to see nine faces at once, while Zoom can allow you to see more faces. So really thinking about using your breakout rooms or even using smaller channels where students can be assigned to working groups. Um, You can also think about if they can't meet virtually really think about the old fashioned taking a phone call where they can hear each other's voices and then you know think it through. Because sometimes just hearing that human element make a difference because once again, it goes back to the haves and the have nots. So if everyone don't have access to the internet, it creates that space where we have to be creative. Um, so I think at this point, it's challenging us to really think outside the box, to reconstruct and reimagine teaching. Oh, and someone suggested use Webex and Google Hangout. Yeah, they're great as well. They're definitely um,
0: And then is there an app or a program that you would recommend for having kids make an escape room when you um, talked about doing like the math escape rooms?
1: I actually, now that part I can ask you, you know, My student did it for me this semester. Yeah. And so it was, it was really kind of cool. One of my pre-service teachers, she used Google. She used the Google platform to create it. Mm -hmm. And so we were even thinking about how could she extend it and build it out because escape rooms are becoming popular, but if the kids can develop it and Google actually have guidelines because I even saw Pinterest had someone give step-by-step how to make an escape room. So
2: yeah,
1: so there are um, training sites out there for free that can help kids think about, oh, how can I make an escape room and how can I make it competitive? So there are tools out there. Someone asked, will we be getting the presentation slide? Um, Carrie and I, I think we're OK with sharing our slides. Yeah. So just send us an email. I have our contact up. My, my email is my name, very, very easy, Ruth May Sears at usf.edu. And Carrie's own is Carrie P at usf.edu. So just send us an email. We can definitely forward it to you. Right. Any other questions?
0: I think I got. That. Oh, um, what is, do you have a way to like either most effectively or the best way you think to handle like, so you're doing most of your students online, but there's a couple students who don't have digital access. So you're having them do paper packets. Do you have any ideas about the best way to maybe manage those ideas, the, like those two different spheres?
1: And this goes back cause to the it in the paper all because we talk about relationship building. And this is why you have to get the community and the family involved. So, for example, if I put something in the mail without any form of connection, my likelihood of not engaging is minimal. But if I actually take the phone and say, hey, mom, I'm sending you a packet and we're going to talk it through. Let's look at it. Do you have any questions for me? So now the parent feel they're part of this space and they may be more inclined to ensure the students do the work. So you have to build those relationships or thinking about, like we talk about those one minute clips. So even if the parents may not have the access to the, um, the internet, if they have a phone, you may actually send them a little brief video, like a two minute clip as to how to solve one of the problems. And so this is where we talk about being creative. Some persons use WhatsApp, some persons use you know different social platforms with the parents, but you're gonna have to carefully think about how do you connect? Because that human element matters in building relationship and also getting parents to engage and support their kids' learning.
0: All right, thank you. Um, um, one last one, um, do you, can you give them some names and reference some of the interactive sites? You mentioned that there's like some sites for interactive learning, but um, just, I don't know, name drop some of your favorite ones, I guess.
2: <laughs> Carrie, you want to take that or you want
1: me to go? Because I, I get excited with this type of stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I am more here for creating and developing your own resources. So I would encourage you to maybe consider using Adobe Captivate to create interactive lectures. It's very fun. It's pretty easy to use and could make it your own.
1: Um, I love, like I start off, like I say, start off small, like the Google Form, the Google Docs, where they could actually type in real time together, Google Forms, where you can actually look at their responses and talk about commonalities and differences of perspectives. So they are the free things that you can use in real time. Now, as you start thinking about, for example, like videos, like you know iMovies, you get to create and edit quality movies that you can share um, skillfully with your students, or like, really thinking about you're creating your own web page. Because in this space, you get to choose what is the quality mathematics you want to share. Because what you're going to realize is YouTube have everything. The good, the bad, and the things that should never be shared in public. Hence, as an educator, you may have to carefully select what is the example you actually want your students to see. And so by actually embedding it into your personal web page, it can help students to sort through all of the noises to make some informed choices about what is the quality example. But it goes back to planning, planning, planning. Um, another thing, um, for example, like I love Wolfram Alpha. I love LaTeX, like coding, teaching my students how to code. Um, I love Texas Instruments, like because these are skills that learning how to use your calculator effectively is critical, like because they learn how to program. Um, and then I also think about. What is what is out there? So we start, because um, one of my class activities, we actually showcase different technologies. And what I found out is, every other week, there's a newer tool, and I'm always excited. But the, but the underlying philosophies are the same, be it graphing, be it problem solving, be it simplifying an algebraic expression, or developing number skills. So in that space, you really think about, what is the objective? And if you do a quick Google, you'll be amazed. Hmm. There are so many apps being developed in real time that model the mathematics. And NCTM actually has some very, very, very great tools out there as well that could be used. They have great tools and resources. So NCTM is a plus for me.
0: All right, thank you ladies so much. Um, We are about at time. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, this was wonderful. I feel like I learned a lot. Um, I hope everyone else did too. Um, For those of you asking, the slides, the link for the slides, if you registered for the webinar, will be automatically emailed to you in about 24 hours. Um, And then in